Hey, it's Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns will have their resilience tested again this week. They lost another, they let another one get away in Atlanta and return home to face the ultra talented Los Angeles Chargers. Here to discuss it all with me is Dave Chudowski of Go to WKYC Morning News. What's up, Chud? Scott, how are you? I am in Browns and Guardians mode. I mean, hey, got to get off to the youngest team in baseball for uh, winning the division and uh, playoff start tomorrow. I'll be live on Go tomorrow morning, uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. You got three possible games, uh, best two out of three, so... uh, which is new. It's a different format. Yeah. So if they win the first two, they move on and then they'll play the Yankees. So that could be a wild Sunday, Scott and Cleveland. If know. the Browns, well, we know the Browns play at one. If the first two games are split, then you could have guardians at four Oh seven after the Browns. So could be a real wild weekend in Cleveland. Yeah, there's no doubt. And they are, the guardians are exciting. It's a great story. Tito does just an unreal job. They're fun to watch. Um, yeah, it's, that's exciting. You know, the noon games, um, it's good from a newspaper deadline perspective, uh, but I don't know if it's good for a fan, you know, a fan viewing perspective, um, especially if you're working Friday. I know I'll be at Browns for at least the start of it. Um, but, yeah, it's exciting to have October baseball back. Yeah, with my schedule, it actually works out because, you know, I work such a funky schedule. So I'll be able to, you know, watch the game tomorrow and then uh, I'm going to actually go on Saturday. So I'm pretty excited oh, about nice. that. And, you know, I see – I see a lot of times on Twitter, people, you know, hey, will the fans show? Listen, it's Cleveland. Fans always show up in the postseason. The 12 o'clock Friday start will be a little funky to get, you know, everyone there. But uh, in general, you know, this is an event town. St. Paddy's Day parade, all that good stuff, tailgating. People are going to be rocking for the the Guardians. And, you know, I know there's a lot of fans upset with the name change and all that. But uh, it's still going to be exciting. And, uh, you know, obviously – a, a fun weekend. So like, like you said, what Francona has done, no one could have predicted this, but I did, I did say before the season started and believe me, did I think they'd win the division? No, but you can never count this guy out. It's incredible. Right. It's amazing what leadership and a front office can do and getting back to the Browns. It just shows you that there's no secret why they've struggled for so long. It's because of their leadership. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's, I can argue with that at all. Chud. It's, it all starts at the top. Um, you know, we don't have time to have a Dolan ownership discussion, but certainly when you have, right. certainly when you have Jimmy Haslam and the instability under him since he's been owner in the changing in the front office and the changing of the GMs and all of it, the coaching staffs, um, all of it, it creates instability and um, it's hurt the Browns. And meanwhile, the Guardians have had incredible stability. And when you have, you know, arguably the best manager in baseball, and that's the anchor of your stability, then you got a chance to compete every year. Yeah. All right, let's get to the Browns. Uh, eat, eat up a little bit of time there talking Guardians. So we have to go a little rapid fire towards the end, but let's just get to the, the game itself. And, you know, I, the, the biggest thing I can say after that game, I just shook my head and I said, yep, I got trapped again. I, sh- I, I should know this to learn my lesson and not pick the Browns in games like these. You know, it's like, yeah. We both picked the Browns, and you know, sure enough, they they pull it off again on us. When we think they can get a win, it's just you know another game they let slip away, and it's just crazy the ending 
you think they would have learned their lesson against the Jets. Now, nah, this one, nowhere near as bad as that, right. obviously. But still, this is a game you should have won. Yeah, there's no argument there. Um, yeah, it felt like a coin flip, especially with the injuries the Browns had. You know, no Miles Garrett, no Jadavian Clowney. Um, so it felt like a coin flip, but I gave the Browns the benefit of the doubt when I was picking. I thought they were still more talented than Atlanta, and I still feel that way. But they yeah. were not able to close the deal, right? They weren't able to get it done. Uh, yeah, the fourth quarter was bad. It wasn't, you know, it's not anywhere in the same neighborhood as that Jets fourth quarter. But it's a trend all year. They've given up, I want to say, 54 points in the fourth quarter, which is awful. Um, you know, in you had a different kind of defensive breakdown. This was not a miscommunication. This was more of a uh, – Kevin Spence called it a technique issue. You know, they were playing cover three. The linebackers get sucked up in play action. Um, John Johnson and Denzel Ward both take Drake London when he's running deep down the field, lets the deep crosser – get open. And, you know, I, I think it was a good play call for the Falcons against the coverage the Browns had. Your linebackers don't get deep enough because they've gotten killed by the run, so they suck up against play action. So, you know, it's a different – it's different, and I don't think it's the same thing, right? I, it's not the miscommunication, oh, my God, again. Um, but it's a 42-yard completion. You had a 15-yard face mask tacked on. All of a sudden, the Falcons kick the – what turns out to be the winning field goal, right? So that was bad. Um, but it's not all about the fourth quarter. I mean, we can talk about the Browns' last drive. They get, you know, they, the screen, the timing on a screen is all messed up, and it was all day long. Joe Batoni gets a five-yard penalty for being, you know, an eligible man downfield. Then he gets beat for a sack on the next play for eight yards, which doesn't happen to Batonio. I get there's a story up on Browns on right now. I talked to him and Wyatt Teller just about being two of the best players, yet having big mistakes. That were costly. Teller had a big holding penalty um, on second to goal from the one, and it probably takes away a touchdown, turns that into a field goal. Um, or one of the you know ingredients that took a touchdown to a field goal. Um, and just how you process that and how you bounce back. And Joe Batonio said he can't go to sleep at night until he kind of processes everything that went on in the game. And that's every week, but it took him longer this week because he had a big mistake at the end. And that sack, if they don't get a minus eight yard sack, then maybe they're trying a long K-Jork field goal, right? It, I think it would have been like 64 yards. They probably would have tried that. Or certainly Jacoby Brissett isn't trying to force the ball downfield. Maybe he just takes a little, you know, quick out. They get five yards, you kick a 50-yard field goal, and we go to overtime, and who knows how that finishes. So, um, so that's the fourth quarter, but it goes beyond that, right? They had three trips inside the 11 in the first half and come away with 10 points. That's not enough. And I want to get your opinion on this, Chud. You know, a lot of a lot of people have different opinions. There's only two opinions to have, but fourth and three, first drive from the four <laughs> yard line. Yeah. Are you okay going for a touchdown or would you take the points there? Oh man. And I knew we would get into this. Yeah. And let me start off by saying I feel like that was the lead story on Monday on, you know, when you read about it. You listen on the radio, you watch TV, um, you know, I, I'm part of it in the mornings. I, I feel like that was, I feel like that's like the poster of, you know, you go and buy the movie, uh, the VHS copy of Browns lose to Atlanta. And there's a picture of that play on the cover of it. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's the main thing people are talking about. I don't think that's the main problem. I, I, I go to the fourth quarter and the defense allowing them, to make the big play and, and, and 
take the lead after you Chubb scores the touchdown and you have the lead and, and then follow that up with another missed opportunity by your quarterback and the offense to still be able to tire win the game. So that's the lead story for me. I do think, I do think that leaving the points on the road, I would have kicked a field goal after the third, like if they would have gotten a little closer after the third down play, I would have maybe been okay with it. I think it's, I think it's the play calling that bugged me. And the fact that he just throws it away and you don't even have a shot. I mean, I guess you could have an interception return for a touchdown, but it's just that the play is what hurts me, but it's in their DNA. This is what they do and they're going to continue to do it and they've done it. So I guess I understand it. Would have taken the points. I would have rather had the, uh, the play calling be better. I, I hated the third down play. Yeah. Why are you in such a hurry on that third down play? Yeah, I think those are all really good points. I do, Chad. And really quick, I want to correct myself. They've, the Browns have allowed 50 points in the fourth quarter compared to 45 in the other three quarters. In fact, they've That's not amazing. Let, yeah, they haven't let any points up in the third quarter and then 50 in the fourth quarter. Um, amazing. But, yeah, your, your points are all legitimate. Um, games are decided in the fourth quarter, so I can't really argue with you that um, those mean more. And those, whether it's offense or defense, those things are magnified. And – yeah, so I, I think you have a good point. We haven't even talked about the fact that at the end of the third quarter and then starting into the fourth quarter, the Falcons go on a 75-yard drive where all they do is run it 10 times, right? And the Browns can't stop it. Talking about defense, you know, we focus on the one long defensive pass play. They couldn't get off the field in the run game defensively. And I think that's where the the absence of Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney really showed up because um, they weren't able to set the edge. I thought linebacker Jacob Phillips took bad angles. Um, all of a sudden, the, the Falcons get an easy touchdown when all you know all they do is run right down the field um, and kind of a demoralizing touchdown for your defense. So all your points are are completely valid. When it comes to that decision in the first quarter, I'm fine going for it. I understand that that's like you said that's in their DNA. That's what the Browns are going to do, and you're better off going for seven than three. Like that's what the numbers show you, right? If you're able to get more touchdowns or field goals, you're better off. If you get you know, if you convert whatever the number is, 50% of your touchdowns, that's better than field goals, right? Because seven versus three times two, whatever the math is, right? So I completely understand that. You have the added benefit of the Falcons then have a long field, right? They take over on their four-yard line. Um, so there's a benefit to that. So I have no problem going for it. Um, now, the hurry up on third and one was certainly funky, Um Obviously, they thought they could catch them off our balance, right? And that was the goal, and they practiced it all week, and it didn't work. I don't know if I don't know if somebody missed a block. It looked like David Njoku might have turned inward to pin a guy and let the let the safety come free, or maybe the safety just makes a great play. Um, but that kind of that was a big play right there because instead of fourth and one where you might be able to sneak it, you hand it off to Chubb. Um, you get fourth and three, you have to throw the ball. So I'm with you on the play calling factor. Like I'm fine going for it. I have no problem with that. To me where the breakdown was and it continued on the drive at the end of the first half is the play calling inside the five. Um, we can argue about handing off to Chubb wide, right? It didn't work. So it looks bad on that third and one call on the fourth and three, you know, they only sent three receivers in patterns, Nick Chubb and Harrison Bryant staying a block. And it felt like and Kevin Stefanski admitted it. He thought they had something schemed up where somebody's going to come open early for a touchdown. It didn't work. And then Jacoby Brissett doesn't have options because only three guys are out in patterns. Now, 
It turns out Nick Chubb escapes late, and if Brissett had seen him, it would have been a touchdown. He doesn't see him. You know, I don't know how much you put on Jacoby because he's looking into the end zone. Um, so I, I just didn't like that play call. And maybe Brissett has Cooper early on a slant. He said he made a bad decision early. I didn't see it. I thought they kind of had Cooper double covered, but maybe there's a window. Um, and then you go to the second quarter, right? They get first and goal from the one. They hand off to Chubb, which is fine. Although it was weird because he was kind of lined up in like a shorter, you know, let's say he lines up six yards back most plays. This was about four yards back um, or three, five, whatever the numbers are. He was close to the line of scrimmage, almost like in a fullback spot. And they gave him a quick handoff and he gets stuffed. And then on second and one, like, I get it. I, I get how many times have we seen hard play action, tight end is wide open in the end. Well, yeah. right. And you go big, you know, they go jumbo package with two offensive linemen, Michael Dunn and the Yelder Froholt. But they don't even go play action. Brissett just drops state straight back. Again, there's not a lot of guys in the route, and it's covered. And then Brissett tries to extend the play. You get a holding penalty on Wyatt Teller, which he didn't like to call. And all of a sudden, it's second and 11, and now a touchdown is no longer a sure thing. Like it would be, even if Chubb gets stuffed on second and one, you get two more plays, you figure you're going to get it. Um, but then you get moved back to the 11. So obviously when it doesn't work, you say it was a bad play call, but I didn't like, I get the point. The point is I did not like the play calling um, in those two situations. And I think it cost the Browns dearly. And maybe we're not even talking about the fourth quarter. If the Browns took care of business in the first half. And just last thing real quick. I think Kevin Stefanski's done an outstanding job calling plays in the first three games. I didn't think the same um, against Atlanta. I thought the script to open the game was great, but then two times inside the 10, like I just inside the five, like I just talked about, and you're never going to get me to understand why you do a end around to your tight end. <laughs> right. And, and what's frustrating about it is they had all this extra time to prepare too, with yeah, the right. uh, game being Thursday the week before. So they had extra time. Yeah. So in closing on this topic, yeah, I, you'd like the three points, no doubt, but you'd like seven more, right? Yeah, and I mean, yeah. if they get if they if they get the seven, no one's complaining. And if they win the game, I don't think anyone goes back to the first quarter and complains about it. If you just would have handled your business in, at the end of the game. Now, this is what I will say though, <clears throat> that I, I said this on Monday morning on the on the show, just kind of analyzing it. I feel like, and I don't know if I've brought this up before on, on this with you, I feel like the NFL has gotten to a point where you see more teams going for it on fourth down. Like, you, you, when we were growing up, you didn't yeah. see that happen that often. Like, if a team went for it on fourth down, it's like, oh. Like, fourth down was always a punting situation, it felt like, you know. I feel like the game's changed. But I feel like it's changed, though, for teams like Buffalo and Kansas City that have the great quarterbacks yeah. that just know they can get the play. They can, you have Mahomes doing some crazy flip into the end zone or, you know, I don't think the Browns have gotten to that point where they've proven that they can convert on these fourth downs. I mean, they've done it before. I know they have, yeah. but I feel like some of these elite teams in the NFL, like they've proven that they can get away with this and win games and not have it affect them later on. Whereas these minor, not minor, but these, the, the Browns literally can have one or two plays affect them, yeah. whereas other teams can kind of get away from it. Does that make sense? They can cover it up. Yeah, the margin for error is so much slimmer when you don't yes, have a big-time quarterback, right? Yeah. yeah. I, everything you said is correct. In You know, it's an analytics thing, and, you know, some people treat that like a dirty word. The fact is, the more data you have, 
the numbers say you're better off going on fourth down, right? Like that's why the change has come is the more analytics in the game, the more data is analyzed. It's, Hey, if you keep the ball, you're better off, right? So instead of punting it the way to the other team, it's, it gives us a better chance to win if we keep it in X number of situations, right? And that changes if, it, if it's fourth and one versus fourth and five. It changes if you're in on their side of the field versus your your own side of the field, right? All those things matter in the calculations, but across the league, it's a trend, and this trend's not going away. But your point no. is your point's completely accurate you have a better chance of succeeding if you have a better quarterback. Um, you know, and the Browns are six for nine this year in fourth down, right? They went for it on their own, on their 29 against Atlanta and Jacoby Brissett snuck it. Right. And he had a successful quarterback sneak. So they have, you know, when you do it on, when you, when you convert on fourth down, nobody thinks twice about it. It's just part of the game, part of the drive. Yeah. When you miss, it's a big deal. Um, which which makes sense, you know. And Baltimore does. Baltimore might go as much as anybody. That or the Chargers do too. Baltimore went for it on fourth down instead of kicking the go ahead field goal late. They went for it to try to get a touchdown. Lamar Jackson throws an interception, and they wind up losing. You know, last play of the game or whatever it is to Buffalo. So it's not just the Browns. Um, and and right. I do think I, I do think that's something fans are going to have to get used to because um, it, it feels like a, it almost feels generational too. If you're an older fan. You go, oh my God, take the points. And I think if you're going to enjoy these games more, you're going to have to convince yourself that it's not going to, you just have to get used to the fact that there are going to be less field goals kicked, especially near the goal line. It's almost like the sacrifice punt. You know, you don't see anybody sacrifice punt anymore. So you just got to get your head around it. Yeah, it is amazing. You just said that because the next thing I was going to say was that if you follow along on Twitter all through the week, I've noticed that it's the, older beat writers or fans yes, yes. or whoever that are upset with it and want it to be like it it's always been the history of the game and do it the way it's always been. And the younger fans are all about analytics and younger people that cover them. Have you noticed that? I, I feel yes. like the younger that they like that. And I feel like I'm kind of in the middle and I, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm 47. I'm not going to hide my age. I kind of see both sides of it. Yes. And um, that, that's kind of the way I see it. I, I, I that could be a cop out on my end, but uh, it, I just I'm not going to lambaste them, but I'm also not going to let them off the hook. Yeah, that's fair enough, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Well, if that makes sense, I guess that's the same thing. I'm not. Yeah. Y- you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I got. You. <laughs> I got you. I, I'm not. Yeah. There you go. But anyway, all right. So I think we just hit a lot in that game. I think the only other thing from the game we should really hit on you. you a lot of the things I wanted to hit, you really, you talked about the play calling. You already hit that. Uh, it wasn't good. Uh, we talked a lot about the, the beginning, end of the game. Just isolate before we move on, Jacoby yeah. Brissett. Because, you know, now, and by the way, what's going on with Baker Mayfield is pretty oh comical. And I don't, we don't have to get into all that. But, I mean, that guy, he's never going to change. And we don't have to, but it's funny watching him with the media now down there. But uh, I, as I digress and get off the subject, back to Jacoby. Um, yeah, thoughts on that? Because now this is—I I know he did get the win in Carolina, but this is a couple opportunities now he's had where he hasn't come through. Yeah, I thought he played great against the Jets and the Steelers, and I did not really blame him for that last interception against the Jets. You know, there's yep. like twelve right. seconds left, right? He had back against the wall. You need a—you need a big completion. In fact, and I yeah. thought this. I thought the defense made a great play. I, I thought he had. I think it was Amari Cooper. He looked open. 
The guy made a great play. They dropped 10 in coverage. Uh, you know, I, I didn't blame him for that. Against Atlanta, he did not play as well. He missed some throws. Um, I thought he, he the timing of the screen game was completely messed up, which I mentioned a little earlier. But it's sometimes you just – and I, I think it was the Mannings on the Manicast Monday night. Sometimes you just got to figure out a way to complete that screen. And I mentioned the second and 11, second and goal from the 11, he had a chance to get the ball to Kareem Hunt, and it's probably a touchdown. And there's a defender in his face, and he couldn't execute it. He wound up trying to get it to Hunt and throws it in the ground. And late in the game, that uh, Joe Batonio, an eligible man downfield, the timing was a little messed up, and he didn't get the ball to Hunt in time. And, you know, I'm not saying it's all on Jacoby Brissett, but I, I thought he had chances to make plays. At the beginning of the third quarter, he had Donald Peoples-Jones on a deep corner route and throws it out of bounds. And he was open, and Peoples-Jones winds up making a dive and catch out of bounds. There were plays there to be made, and Brissett didn't make enough of them. And then on that last interception, I get it. It's third and 23. You feel like you need to make a big play. But the reality is all you had to do was get, I don't know, what they were on. I think they were on the Atlanta 43. So you need about 17 yards um, to get to the 40, 58-yard K-Jerk field goal. And Dearness Johnson comes out of the backfield, and he's wide open. And if Jacoby Brissett dumps it off to him, I think they're kicking a field goal there to try to tie the game. So, yeah, I blame that decision on Jacoby Brissett. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't think he played great. Now, if they do other things and the play calling's better and the defense doesn't have a tough court, fourth quarter, maybe it's, we're not talking about it. But the reality is I didn't think he played as well as he has. And it was a, in that last interception, I understand the thought process is I need a big chunk. That wasn't the right idea there when you could have settled for that, for the attempted field goal to force overtime. Yeah, 21 of 35 for 234 yards. You know, Jimmy Donovan says all the time right now, they just don't know how to win. Do you agree with that? I think there's something to be said for that. And I, I do think that our perception is colored by how bad the Browns have been for the last 20 plus years. You know, we forget, <laughs> and I get it. And maybe the 2020 season was just, a an outlier right um but you know they won what i don't did they win 11 games that year they won eight games last year eight nine last year like they're not bad like they're a middle of the pack team but our expectations have risen and i think rightfully so because there's more talent on this roster now um so yeah it's like you say all the time Chad. they just have to prove now that they can win consistently and I don't know if they have doubts when they get to the fourth quarter. I know fans still have doubts when the team gets to the fourth quarter. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's a fair enough statement. Um, and we're going to get a stretch of games here where they're going to have to show that they can win because the schedule gets a lot tougher. We've talked about it a million times. And it starts Sunday against the Chargers. Hey, let's get to this week. How are we looking injury-wise? Better. Miles Garrett was on the field Wednesday for practice. We're recording this Thursday morning. Um he looked great, you know. I mean, he's only doing stretching and individual drills, but I have no doubt that he's going to play, um, which is a huge boost. He's going against a rookie six-round pick at left tackle, so maybe that's how you shut down or contain Justin Herbert is you get, you're in his face all day long. Um, so that's good. Jadavion Clowney hasn't practiced yet. We'll see if he practices Thursday or Friday. I, I feel like the Browns keep saying he's close, and Stefanski hopes he practices. Uh I think they really hope, expect, I don't know, expects too strong. I feel like they think he 
how do I don't want to misphrase this. There's a chance he plays this week. It would be huge if he did. Um, and I think the at least just from the sound of Kevin Stefanski, that it's real close for him to play. And that would be a huge upgrade. If you get your two defensive ends back against this offense, it would make a big difference. And, and outside of that, they're pretty healthy. That's good news. When you Right. Um, now they're vulnerable on defense, especially in the run game. 
Um, they've given up some big runs. So we saw Houston had one of those, like a 75-yard run, kind of off tackle outside, and the guy is gone. Um, I mean, that's the recipe for the Browns, right, is run the ball really well, control the clock, try to keep it out of Herbert's hands as much as you can, um, and hope it doesn't turn into 47-42 like it did a year ago because, you know, it's going to be hard for the Browns to score 42 or 40 points, whatever, you know, if it gets up there. Um, it's just going to be hard to do that only running the ball, right? Then you need Jacoby Brissett to make a bunch of plays. And, and again, I think he's been fine, but that feels like it's asking a lot. Yeah. So you're getting into the part of the schedule now, and this is where we had hoped they'd be 4-0 or 3-1. Now you got Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, yeah. Dolphins, Bills, Tampa. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but when you look at that group of games, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Realistically, Scott, you know, how many of those seven games do you think they can win? Well, I mean, they need to win four of those to get to six and five, right, for Deshaun Watson's return, right? I mean, that we've talked about that a million times. That's the number I think they need to get to. So, you know, New England may not have Mac Jones. Um, that gets more winnable if they're starting, you know, Brian Hoyer, who left the game last week, or the rookie. Um, you know, Miami, who knows about Tua. Like, you know, like, you never know what's going to happen, but – the Bills are going to be a big favorite. Tampa Bay's got Tom Brady and Chargers got Herbert. And then you got two division games, right? So they're going to have to pull, I would say, two upsets to get to four and three over the seven game stretch. All right. All right. Uh, before we go, before we get to prediction time, anything else? Anything else you really are zoning in on in this game that, you know, the Browns need to do to get the win or anything that stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, not a couple of things real quick. I think they they got to figure out a way to stop Khalil Mack. Um, and the offensive line's been pretty good, right? Jacoby Brissett has not been sacked a lot. Mack's playing really well, but without Joey Bosa on the other side, it gives the Browns a chance to focus on Khalil Mack, which is important. You can't let him wreck the game. Um, and, and then just a real quick, I, I saw some stat where the Chargers are really good on short yardage defense, right? Which is weird because they're not haven't been a good run defense. Um, but that'll be interesting because the Browns have been so good at the quarterback sneaks and you hand it to Chubb or Hunt. Um, I would expect the Browns to have success, but it's something to keep an eye on um, because the Chargers have been really good in that area. All right. Prediction time. Yeah. I'll, I'll go first, Chud. Is it my turn? You'll go first? I don't know. Is it my turn? <laughs> I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I don't even know. I'm so upset at them right now because, <laughs> you know, they're making me look bad. I hate being one and three. All right. You're two and two. Uh, you know, that's just not, that's not the way I like to roll. I, I, <laughs> I like, I, hear you. I like to be, I like to be right. You know, I hear you. And um, if I, <laughs> I get, I get you. And it's tough. Right. But yeah. And this is another game where I don't think there's a slam dunk here. I, I, I think the Browns could win. Um, we talked, I talked about the resilience at the beginning of this podcast and how important that is. And the Browns have shown it. Um, having said that, I, I, I'm just going with Justin Herbert. Like, I, I think the Chargers are really good. I think it's going to be a tough game for the Browns. And push comes to shove. I'm taking the Chargers 27-24. I think that's a little lower scoring than some people would predict. And I don't know why I went there, except I think Kevin Stefanski probably wants to play that type of game. So he's going to try to keep it lower, which is control the clock play a lot of zone defense so that the Chargers have to be methodical and don't, you know, beat you for a 50-yard pass, which 
We know LeBron's have been susceptible to, but if you sit in a soft cover two, make him run the ball, make him throw it underneath. Um, I, I think Stefanski will try to manage this game so it stays in the 20s, um, which gives the Browns a chance. But in the end, I'll take the Chargers. Yeah, incredible. It's just like the third week in a row. Oh my we God, had... you're going to do it again? <laughs> it's unbelievable. I had it written down. I mean, I it's not the exact same score, but we both have the Chargers with 27. Okay. That's pretty funny. Um, gosh, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm not going to go on and on and on this week. I, I have in the past. I, I just – it's time now that they got to prove to me that they can win these games. And, uh, you know, that I, I'm going Chargers 27, Browns 20. Uh, you know, if, if you can't put up more points against the Falcons, I don't think you're going to do it against the Chargers. Uh, and we remember last week we expected like 31 29, 31 30. You know, I, it just, um, it, it's, it's time to show me again. So uh, I'm going to go Chargers to win, uh, same as you. Uh, and again, yeah. We're not going to be stunned if the Browns win, but uh, I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I hear you, and I kind of felt that way. You know, you say that all the time. They got to prove it to me, and this feels like that kind of week to me. Like you would need a little bit of faith to pick the Browns. Um, so this is like, okay, prove it. And if they do, you know, then you get to three and two. All of a sudden, it's easier to figure out that road to six and five, right? And you have confidence, and you're playing at home again the next week. Um, before you head on the road to, you know, the big game in Baltimore. So I don't, I'm not saying the Browns can't win this. And, you know, the Chargers are a flawed team and they're missing Bosa for sure, maybe Allen. And, and that's big, um, but they're really explosive. So, um, you know, yeah, I, again, you're right. I would not be stunned if the Browns won, um, but it's tough watching, you know, the mistakes they made at Atlanta to say, yeah, they're going to come back and get them fixed. So um, that's where we're going with the Chargers. And we hope we're we hope we're uh, wrong. There you go. But uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, anyway, going back to the beginning of the show here, big weekend. Look forward to it. Yeah, I, Judd, I know you've been big in the Guardians, so I appreciate you fitting this in. Um, and yeah, have fun down there. I, I think it should be a really fun weekend for uh, for the town. So thank you. Thanks everybody for listening. This has been another episode of the Zone Coverage Podcast, and you can read all my work at brownzone.com. Thanks.